This is Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and I'm joined as always by Federico Vitici. Hey, Fraser, how's it going? Hey, it's not too bad. How are you? Um, I'm doing okay, except for the problems that I'm having trying to find a workable internet connection. <laughs> you know, sometimes ah. you go on vacation and it's awesome, except if you're, you know, if you work on the internet and you have uh, an online business, it can be tricky. It's sort of like, you know, not having the internet as a web business owner. It's like not having oxygen, like <laughs> nothing is working yeah. anymore. Uh, no but, you know, it's, uh, I guess, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know how it's possible that I see like four bars of 4G, but those are fake. They don't actually work. <laughs> so, you know, signals, how do Usable. they work? We don't know. Magic, kind of magic. I guess. <laughs> so, so tonight we are going to continue, Federico, with our discussion of new features in iOS 11. And I, can I say that is, I'm kind of afraid yeah. to discuss this with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, this is the area of iOS 11 that I described as being uh, some, something for which you go through the stages of grief, you know, denial, mm, anger, bargaining, mm. depression, and acceptance. And I think since we wrote the show uh, a few weeks ago, and now I, I may have moved a couple of stages along that path. So I may be a little more mellow about it than you, uh, you might expect, but mm. we'll see how it goes. Mm. Okay. All right. So my idea was we should talk about um, the other major changes in iOS 11 multitasking and specifically how they relate to um, split view slide over and the changes coming to the dock, which is now becoming sort of more like the Mac, which is a system-wide launcher for apps that can be invoked uh, anywhere on iOS. And I wanted to discuss especially how we you know, before we talk about the specifics of uh, split view and how you can rearrange apps on screen, the new spaces uh, metaphor for the app switcher, before we talk about that, I wanted to discuss how we, just in broad terms, but how do we actually use iOS? And I think, um, as, I, as I wrote in the past on Mac Stories, um, my usage of iOS tends to be skewed primarily towards writing, uh, so writing articles and, you know, uh, the newsletter stuff, communication, so talking with my team members on Slack, talking to people over email, and talking to uh, friends on iMessage. And then I would say uh, the third uh, major, you know, task that I do is running the business. So doing accounting stuff, uh, working with numbers, um, collecting invoices, so working with PDF files, and uh, just trying to collect multiple receipts and invoices from different places. So those are the major three things that I do on iOS. I don't do video production. I don't do podcasting. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I do uh, most of the advanced tasks that Apple advertises on the on the iPad website. I don't, I'm not an artist. I don't do sketches. I don't do drawing. Um, I'm primarily a writer and I do some communication with other folks, and I do, of course, my accounting stuff. That's the uh, the summary, I think, of what I do on iOS. Okay, I, I think it's worthwhile having this conversation because I feel like what we're about to discuss tends to be, whenever I've discussed it with anybody online, it tends to eventually boil down to, well, what do you do with iPad, and what do I do with iPad, and how do they differ? And that often leads to an understanding of, how people's views on multitasking differ. And I, I suppose, you know, my statement in line with yours, Federico, is I spend a lot of time um, on iOS making things with reference to other things. So, for example, when I'm teaching, I'll be maybe uh, working in Swift Playgrounds on, on, and I'll be having iBooks open with the Swift language reference on the other side. So I'm programming on one side with a reference book on the other side or I'm making a keynote presentation with Safari on the other side or notes or something like that. Um, sometimes writing in Ulysses and then referring to something in pages or uh, at school we use Google Docs and G Suite. So we often have mm -hmm. Google Docs and, and iWork applications open at the same time, Google Sheets and something else. You know, Today I, I was just working on the school timetable, for example, and I had Google Sheets and I, had, um, I was flipping between having email on one side because certain teachers had emailed me about requirements for their classes. And then I had notes that I had made. So I was 
working with Google Sheets on the left and then I was flipping between notes and, and email and trying to bring all that together and things like that. Those are the kind of jobs that I do a lot on iOS. Um, it's pretty rare, I would say, that I, um, I spend time in just one application. I would say the majority of my time is spent with two applications on screen, but it tends to be a, a sort of, if you like, a kind of anchor application and then multiple other applications that support what I'm doing in that first application. If that, if that kind of makes sense, like sometimes I'll be making a keynote presentation and I'll be uh, mostly looking at a book in iBooks, for example, to help me make the presentation, but then sometimes I'll need Safari on the side or I'll need photos on the side. And it's often that kind of one application that is the, the creation side and the other one is the reference side. That, I feel like that's kind of a, a common way that I work with iOS. And when I, I looked at, we were discussing this with some other people online, and I looked at how many applications do I have on my iPad and how many of them do I frequently use? And just to put some numbers on this, I, including system applications, you know, like uh, uh, mail and calendar and so on, I had 145 applications installed. And of those, I reckon that about 60% of them were what I would call essential applications. And 20% of those 29 apps were in what you might call daily use. So I would genuinely touch about 29 or 30 different applications in a day. And those could be iWork, Google Docs, cloud storage applications, Safari, Pages, Keynote, Messages, uh, Calendar, OmniFocus, you know, many, many, many applications just to kind of hit different aspects of my work during the day. So it's very, very common that I'm using one application and then another one. But the thing for me is that the number of applications that I might be touching is a very high number. And most people who I've talked to about multitasking in iOS 11, they, they often say to me, well, I, I put all my multitasking applications in the dock. And I'm like, how can you fit all your applications in the dock? I've got you know, 30 or 40 that I would want in there. And they're like, oh, I only use mm. six or seven. So I don't know how that fits with, with the way you're, you're working in terms of the number of different applications that you hit in a day. Because I, I don't tend to have like that one app that I, I live in in the same way that some people I know do. I don't know how that fits with your work, Federico. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think the, the the first difference between the way that we work on, on the iPad is right here uh, in the number of apps that we use and how we uh, cycle through them. So I recently reinstalled uh, iOS 11 on my iPad as a clean setup, no backup, no, you know, just an, as a new device. And I wanted to see how many apps do I need um, to get all my things done before I start downloading random stuff from the App Store. And, uh, and I found out that uh, with about 60 apps on my iPad, I can get by pretty easily. Um, and I think looking at my home screen now, um, a big change for me has been the dock uh, because I realized that I'm, my essential apps would be maybe even less than 20. So I would say 14 apps in the dock of the 12.9-inch iPad Pro and maybe another four to five apps that I put in a folder into the dock. And those are the apps that I constantly switch between. And I'm using the dock a lot to, to switch between those apps. And I really, I've really bought into the dock as a, as a system launcher. And then I have those other 10 to 15 apps on my first home screen that I use regularly, but not all the time. So stuff like the App Store or Apple Music or mm -hmm. the calendar, I don't always open. Um, and I think for yeah. me, what I realized and what, I, what we're going to talk about in a minute is I tend to work in terms of uh, like fixed tasks. So I do, for example, Ulysses and iThoughts. And I know that I'm using those two apps together or... I know that I'm doing email and Todoist. So I want to save messages into my task manager. And I tend to work with this metaphor of I'm doing something that requires a bunch of apps together. And those are groups of apps that I always can get back to. And so I, the, the way that Apple has done spaces has really uh, has been working really well for the way that my brain works. But I know that, that that doesn't necessarily scale to everyone. But I think the first difference right here is if you cycle between a ton of apps, many, many more that I actually do, um, I'm, I, I don't, it's debatable 
uh, if iOS 11 can work well for you, especially because there's no way to put more stuff into the dock. So we're going to talk about that. But I think the first difference is worth remembering. The more apps you have, the more it's possible that the dock and spaces don't work in your favor. That I kind of understand. Yeah, I think there's what I feel with iOS 11 is that there's a number of kind of very hard boundaries that once you go across them, things tend to not work as well for you. And I think one of the first boundary that we're coming to is do all of your key apps fit in the dock, yes or no? And if, if the answer to that question yeah. is yes, th- then you're in great shape. You know, uh, you know, if, if you're one of these people who uses like eight or 10 apps on the iPad, maybe use the iWork suite plus Ulysses plus OmniFocus plus a couple other things, mm-hmm. you're in great shape because you only ever have to go to the dock to get the app that you need. But where I found there, there to be kind of like a cliff in the functionality was where um, I, I initially resisted the idea of putting a folder in the dock uh, what I sometimes yeah. call the kind of junk drawer approach to organization um, b- because, uh, well, basically because I upgraded from iOS 10 and I just kept my configuration the way it was. And I thought, well, this, this is the right thing to do. Um, and I found that there were some apps that were in the dock and some that were not. And I constantly find myself sort of flicking up the dock, looking for the app. Oh, it's not there. Now I've got to go back and get it from the home screen and go through a process of getting it onto the into mm. multitasking. So that I feel there's a boundary there. Like once you're beyond that number of applications, you've got yourself a problem. And I think the the mm. idea of putting a folder in the dock, to me, I mean, I, I do it now that I've since taken that approach. But to me, that feels like it's a it's like a path along the grass where people are cutting a corner uh, because they haven't designed a path in the right place. You know, it feels like there's something should be happening there with the design that isn't happening. And that does feel like a bit of a workaround to me. So uh, mm. that's, that's one of my kind of initial feelings about, about iOS 11. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I don't know if this is the case for everyone, but what you said about um, when you swipe up and you see the dock and you realize the app you're looking for is not there. That is something that I, that never occurred to me uh, because I, I set up the dock in a way that I know exactly like I set it up in for the apps that I use, of course, but also like in terms of color of the icons. So it's a very like sort of uh, spatially aware setup. So I know if I open the dock that Safari is going to be the first app on the left and Files is going to be the second app. So I have like this very spatial sense of when I open the dock, like my finger is immediately going into a specific direction depending on what I need to open. And I think it's similar to like Control Center, for example, when you open Control Center and you, you need a shortcut, like instinctively your finger goes to a specific portion of the screen. And I think the dock is working for me in that way also, that if I need Slack, for example, I swipe up the dock and I go in towards the center because I know that's mm-hmm. what, it is, what it is. And also, um, as, a, as a sort of an opening statement, um, I feel like even if... I realize that for some people like you, if you have tons of apps, the system doesn't scale as well as we would like it to do. Um, I still wouldn't go back to the iOS 9 uh, split view app switcher. (laughs) No, I I agree with you on that completely. Yeah, no, I don't think any of us are saying that iOS 9 was a great design. That didn't scale either for sure. Yeah. So even, you know, if I had to choose, if I had to pick between two evils, I would still go with iOS 11, you know? Uh, if, we, if we assume that the system is flawed for like 150 apps, but I would still go with iOS 11 instead of iOS 9 because scrolling that list yeah. in, the, in the app picker, man, that was really bad. <laughs> like it was super, yeah, no super bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the only thing on iOS, I, I would argue that the only thing on iOS that has ever scaled up to 150 plus apps is Spotlight. You know, mm. e- even even the home screen doesn't really scale up to 150 no. apps. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and Spotlight to me, I, we'll talk about this a bit later on. But I think there are there are some issues with the way that Spotlight operates in iOS 11 that has kind of reduced its usefulness or its accessibility. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's that's possibly the the first order amelioration that I'm looking for is you know make Spotlight great again and then take it from there. <laughs> Sorry, right. I just totally did that without thinking. <laughs> ah. Uh, I was swearing off Donald Trump today on Twitter. So, um, anyway, 
Federico, we have two things that we like this week. Can I tell you about one of them first and then we can of dive course. into even more of yes. this? Yeah. So two new sponsors for the show this week, which is awesome. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Eero. Never think about Wi-Fi again. Eero have created the dream Wi-Fi setup, a fast, reliable connection for every room in your house, even the backyard. If you're not yet on board with Eero's super slick Wi-Fi, now's the best time to join as they've just released their new second generation devices. As well as their new tri-band second generation model, they're also introducing Eero Beacon, allowing you to build a Wi-Fi system that's perfectly tailored to your home. With the addition of a third 5GHz radio, and the new second generation Eero is twice as fast as its predecessor. This lets you do more than ever before. Whatever your Wi-Fi needs, Eero has the power to blanket your entire home in fast, reliable Wi-Fi. It sits flat on any surface and you plug it into the wall with the included power adapter and you're ready to connect your Eero either with Ethernet or wirelessly. The new Eero also includes a new thread radio which lets you connect to low power devices such as locks, doorbells, other sensors and more Internet of Things devices. And Eero are also introducing the new Eero Beacon. It's half the size but even more powerful than the first generation Eero. You just plug it into a wall and what it does is it expands coverage into any room. You can add as many Eero beacons as you want, as long as you have a single Eero device to start with. It even includes a built-in LED nightlight with an ambient light sensor. So with Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. The Eero app lets you manage your network from the palm of your hand, and you can also easily create and share a guest network too. Eero has incredible customer support, and you can call and get a hold of one of their Wi-Fi experts within 30 seconds. The new Eero system starts at $399 for one second generation Eero and two beacons, which is everything you need to get started. Listeners of this show can get free overnight shipping when they head to Eero.com, that's E-E-R-O.com, and use the promo code CANVAS for free overnight shipping. We thank Eero for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So Federico, I think we, we've started off with um, a range of statements and claims and complaints, mm-hmm. but I think for people who are listening to the show who are not running an iOS 11 beta, um, maybe we should just talk a little bit, uh, do a little bit of coverage about what is actually new. Okay. And maybe, what I, th- I think one of the things, I'm thinking about this in terms of my school, and I'm thinking, when iOS 11 drops in school, what am I going to tell people to think about this? And I'm trying to find the words and find the the phrases that are helpful to help people understand what the new model is for iOS 11. So I think it'd probably be worthwhile having a little go at that just now. (laughs) Basically, you're trying to break the news to people (laughs) in a very soft way. Well, it's one of these funny things, you know, because I I found over time that the way that I present something to people is the way they think about it forever. Just because like you and like me and like many listeners to this show, we're going to be everybody's local iOS expert. And if I present it as iOS 11 is a nightmare, it's so confusing, blah, 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 people are going to be scared. But if I can find a way Mm -hmm. to explain this to people that is okay, it's, I mean, certainly iOS 11 is more powerful. It also brings a certain level of complexity Mm -hmm. to the task that it it wasn't there before. And if I can find a way to guide people through that, we'll manage the transition just fine. Mm-hmm. But if I present it the way I sometimes feel about it myself, <laughs> um, we <laughs> we might have a, have a problem. So it, it's a lot of it is to do with framing for, for users when you're the local mm-hmm. expert. All right, all right. So we, we already talked about da- drag and drop in a previous episode. And yeah. that's the you know one of the most important features. In terms of working on the iPad, uh, I would say the thing that people possibly do the most is double click the home button to open the app switcher and that is the big change in ios 11 Um, there's a new integrated design that combines the dock control center on the right side and the app switcher uh on the on the left and the app switcher has an entirely new appearance Um, it's no longer uh, a scrollable gallery of app cards previews whatever it's yeah. more like a uh, it's a grid of spaces and spaces yeah. are are an idea that's been borrowed from the mac but simplified for ios uh, so a space on ios 11 it's not like a desktop like like a separate instance of your desktop it's more a, a group of two apps paired together so if you use yeah. Safari and Mail in split view, iOS 11 remembers that as a space. 
If you use Slack and Tweetbot in Split View, that's also a separate space. And you can create virtually an infinite number of spaces. Those spaces are always going to remember the combination of, of apps that you put in Split View. And one of the... Um, one of the key rules to understand how, the, how this works is basically nothing on the system can break a space. Only the user interaction can modify a space by choosing what apps to put in split view or to remove from the split view. But the moment that you combine one application with another and you create a space, nothing on the system can erase that space unless you choose to do so. So if you're in a space and you tap on a link and the link opens Safari, and if Safari is not in that space, you're going to be taken out of that space and Safari is going to open in full screen. But the space will still be saved in the multitasking switcher with the combination of apps that you selected. Uh, if you tap on a, on a URL scheme or if you launch a workflow that opens a different app, you're still going to be able to preserve the space and you're going to be taken into a different space or in a different full screen app. Uh, really, the idea is where spaces on the Mac are multiple instances of your desktop, so you can rearrange your windows and you can set it up you know, with different wallpapers and, and, uh, and stuff like that. On iOS, the space is the combination of apps. It's important to say, Federico, that... Um Spaces are implicitly created in iOS, whereas they're explicitly created on the Mac. So if you're thinking about this in terms of the Mac, you can press a plus button and you can make another desktop and then place items in there. You cannot do that in iOS. You, you only make a space by pairing two applications together in split view and then they stick together until you take one out or collapse a split view. Um, but what you mentioned there also about um, this, the split view being replaced by a full screen instance of Safari... That's because a space can be one or two apps. So iOS will treat a, sync, a full screen app as an individual space and you will switch. Yeah. You're not switching between apps anymore. You're switching between spaces. And that's mm -hmm. a key understanding to get is when you use, say, command tab on a, on a keyboard um, or if you, you swipe with four fingers, you're swiping between spaces rather than between apps now. And that's, that's a critical thing to understand. Yeah, and... Another, I think another important aspect of this is um, slide over is changing. So um, slide over, uh, especially on new hardware, is now a floating app that can be displayed on top of a split view. So if you have a modern iPad, you can use three apps at once. You can do the split view and you can do slide over on top of the split view. But let's say that you have a space and you're now uh, in a different app. Um, one of the apps from that other space can still be displayed in SlideOver as a floating panel, and doing that will not break the original space. So, for example, if you have Slack and Mail in a space, and then you switch to, I don't know, uh, TweetBot, you will still be able to invoke Slack in SlideOver. And when you will double-click the home button to open the app switcher, you will still see the other space. Um, these rules are kind of... They can be a bit tricky to understand, at least, you know, coming from the old iOS that had no concept of persistent app pairings, but also coming from the Mac. You know, you see the term spaces and you think of the Mac and you think of the way that spaces yeah. are set up on the Mac. Well, you got to forget about that because there's basically nothing in not common. Really the same. Um, yeah. It's not, it's basically just the same. It's kind of like when Apple released iBooks, but also had the computers, they were called the iBooks. Um, it's <laughs> like the same name for two completely different things so forget yeah. about the spaces on the mac and think about this in context of split view and the app switcher the idea is once you set up a split view it's not the system split view it's a split view because you can have multiple yes. split views and those are called spaces so that's the idea yeah, and if you if you can characterize it as, as a set of rules, like where I, I tried to write this down for myself as what kind of states can an app be in, and a, an app is always in a space, even if it's full screen by itself. Yeah, yeah. An app can only be in one space at a time, 
in a split view. Yeah. Okay, so you can't mail can't be paired with Safari in one in one view and calendar in another. Now you yeah. can do that on the Mac because on the Mac you can have multiple windows, mm-hmm. so you can have a Safari window in one space and a Safari window in another space. But iOS doesn't allow you to have multiple windows onto the same application, so an app can only exist in one space. However, an app can also exist in SlideOver separately from any space that it's in, but yeah. it can't be in SlideOver on top of the same space that it's already in. That's right. another in- yes. little, little quirk with that. Like you can't have you can't have mail and calendar in a split, and then also have calendar and popovers right. and, and slide over as well. Uh, that's that that would be kind of weird. But it's yeah. also kind of weird that you can't do that as well because it becomes a little bit inconsistent. You can actually have two different apps and slide over at once, and it changes depending on what space you go into. That makes sense um, because if you're in if you move back to this the space that's got the app that you previously had in slide over. You basically have nothing in slide over anymore, so it's it it, it it can get a little weird that way. But but that's roughly as best mm-hmm. as I can characterize it. That's yeah. the rule at the moment. Yeah. Well, I, I guess the idea is uh, that for whatever reason, you know, it could be technical or it could be political. You know, uh, that apps on iOS should not have multiple windows, uh, and I yeah. bet it's a technical problem or a technical concern not necessarily a problem yeah it's something that apple should figure out if they want to uh but that doesn't apply to ios 11 uh what we should also discuss briefly is the dock um yes so before ios 11 the dock was mostly a home screen accessory it was this persistent bar at the bottom of the home screen where you could put i guess six or seven maybe six apps um six and that was about that was about it like the dock was only available on the home screen and it wasn't really not like the dock on the Mac. In this case, um, the similarities between macOS and iOS are really strong in that the iOS 11 dock um, is system-wide, so it can be accessed from anywhere on iOS except the lock screen. Um, You can open the dock where you're inside of an app, you can view the dock in the app switcher, and in fact, the, the way that the dock is revealed with a swipe from the bottom edge of the display, uh, if you continue swiping, the dock will actually open the app switcher. So the two uh, areas of the interface are actually connected. Um, and the, the most important aspect of the dock, besides holding your favorite apps, and also um, you, you have the option of keeping three recently used applications that are not in the dock on the right side. But the most important aspect, I think, is the way that the dock works with drag and drop. Yeah, because th- there are a lot of consequences of the existence of the dock for multitasking. And when we saw first saw iOS 11 in, in the keynote at WWDC, this was how it was shown. The, the multitasking was shown as the dock is your starting point for multitasking and you grab an app from there and you drag it into the left or the right-hand side of the screen. So if you think about iOS 10 and earlier, you had a left-hand app and a right-hand app but you had two completely different sets of techniques for filling the, choosing the right-hand application and choosing the left-hand application. The right-hand application was, of course, chosen by that long scrolling picker that we've criticized so many times. And the left-hand application on iOS 10, you could use Spotlight, you could use Command-Tab, you could go to the home screen and, and tap another application. All those techniques applied only to the left-hand side. But what's new in iOS 11 is that it's like equal opportunities for both sides. So you can, uh, whatever techniques you can use to fill the left-hand side, you can also use to fill the right-hand side. So you can drag from the dock, you can drag from spotlight results, you can drag from the home screen by holding the application, you're dragging with one finger, using the other hand to launch an app again, and then placing them in in side-by-side there. Um, So there are many ways to get an application and once you've got that application over your split, you can place it in either side and you're using the same techniques for both sides of, of the split view. It's not one, one technique for the right-hand side and multiple techniques for the left-hand side. So that, I think that's a big improvement, right? I think that's um, it's a lot better now that it's just two places to put an app and you, how you get to them is a question, but um, there are consequences of that decision as well. I've been using iOS 11 on my iPad 
I should say iPads <laughs> because I've, I've been using <laughs> uh, actually yeah. three of them for testing. Uh, but, but really just my primary one. I, I put the beta one in June and the dark was initially confusing to me, but it took a couple of weeks to get into that kind of mindset. And, and I've really grown to like the way that I replace apps in split view using the dock. Um, the idea of the old iOS 9 uh, switcher, uh, I never truly liked that. The, you know, the limitations of the right side is the, uh, you know, is the, is the one where you can switch apps and then on the left apps sort of just happen. Uh, I feel like iOS 11 gives me a lot more freedom and control because anything I can pick up can go wherever I want. And even if when I when I have a split view, I can switch sides so I can swap them. You know, I can grab one application and move it to the left. I can do whatever I want. And I like the way that the dock, when you pick up something and when you drag it out, it gives you an instant pre- preview of what, what is going to happen. And maybe Apple could improve this design. But if you pay attention, when you pick up an icon from the dock and if you start dragging the icon away, um, there are two types of design that you can uh, that basically hint at what you're going to do. So if the app is going to replace the split view, um, the side of the split view that you're hovering over with your finger is going to have like a subtle dimmed uh, interface, sort of like a dimmed layer on top. Yeah, and it the icon gets a shade is, over it. Yeah. It kind of gets a shade, and the icon that you pick up is going to transform into a card uh, with the pro- sort of like with the size uh, of the split that you're going to replace. But if you hover over, for example, the divider of the split view, you will see that the icon that you're holding will become more um, like a smaller and more rounded card. And that means the app is going to transform into a slide over because you're hovering over the divider. So you're not really replacing an app in split view. Instead, you're going to open the app in slide over. And I've, I've been doing this a lot. Like when I'm, when I'm in a space, uh, for example, I've been you know, I've been busy every single day editing my iOS review. And I always have Ulysses and iThoughts or Ulysses and Slack. So I'm going through the edits suggested by my editor. And if I want to open something quickly, I just swipe up the dock and I put something in slide over. Then I swipe it to the side. I hide the slide over when I need it again. I just swipe from the right edge. And if I want a different app, I swipe the dock and then I pick up something, I put it in a slide over. And I know that some people f- find this like slow and tiresome, tiresome over time. I think it's super fun. And the way that uh, like uh, it, f- it kind of feels empowering to me in the way that it's no longer the system doing some tricky magic behind the scenes to decide what goes in split view and what doesn't. I am the one who controls the system because I with with my touch controls, I pick stuff up and I put it where I want it to be. And I feel like that flows better with the way that I want to work on the iPad than the old system. Yeah, I think it definitely has the feel, more of a feel of um, I'm setting up my workspace for a task, right? You're, you're placing out on your workbench the things that you want to use for this task. And, and, and I totally get that point. And I think one of the things that I've had to kind of rethink a lot about in iOS 11 is the prominence of slide over that I think in iOS 10 slide over was something you had if your i you'd spent a lot of time using that if your iPad didn't support um, multitasking properly right if you had like a, a fourth generation iPad or something whereas in iOS 11 it really feels like um, you you set up the space that you want to work in and then every incidental use of another app is supposed to be through slide over and trying to kind of think about it that way has helped me a little bit what has also helped a lot is that in beta 5 and 6 someday apple spent a lot of time tweaking the timings for how long it takes to mm-hmm. uh, start picking up an application they tweaked the timings for how long it takes to 
hold an application before you get to drag it. They tweak things like how wide is the area that you have to drop it on to turn it into a slide over application versus a side by side application. A lot of those things have become a lot more forgiving in iOS in beta five and six, whereas in in beta one to four, it was like you had to hit you know a ten pixel strip in the middle of this massive screen in order to accurately drop a slide over application. And all of those things you had to hold for a very precise amount of time to pick up the application without accidentally launching it or something like that. And I feel like in beta five and six, that's gotten a lot more forgiving. And I found that my use has speeded up as I've been able to be a lot less precise with my gestures because anything on anything on a touchscreen that has to be very precisely timed or very precisely placed is going to feel slow to the user, whether or not it actually is from a technical point of view. And I think there's been big improvements in that in the last couple of releases. And I think for me, that has helped my use. I feel faster now than I did in, in earlier versions of, of iOS 11. Yeah. And, and I also noticed, I think sometime between beta 5 and 6, um, they came up in the course of a week anyway, um, improvements to Spotlight and the way that you can uh, drag and drop results from Spotlight. It used to be that you had to uh, hold uh, a result of an app from Spotlight and then manually dismiss Spotlight or just maybe start dragging away and uh, sort of viewing the consequence of your drag in the background, like behind Spotlight, if you wanted to replace a split view. And now, the moment that you start dragging away from Spotlight, the Spotlight interface is automatically dismissed. So you can, especially on the iPad, you can do command space, you start searching for an app, uh, you find the app you're looking for, you hold the app, you start dragging away and Spotlight automatically goes away, which I think it's much, much better than how it used to be before beta 5. Yeah, because in beta 5 and earlier, what would happen is you would invoke Spotlight, you would drag an application to the left or right and Spotlight would still be on the screen once you had dropped it. And then you had yeah. to close Spotlight and then you could get on with your stuff. And that was just like crazy making. Um, so that improvement has helped a little bit. Um, I still, my one of my general characterizations of iOS 11 though is that there is no way to multitask an app that doesn't involve touching the screen. Yeah, that is true. And I think that's one of my biggest complaints is, is, is that no matter what you do, you've got to touch the screen at some point. And I really want to be able to not touch the screen. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Because, Federico, I want to tell you about the second thing that I like today, uh, which is mm-hmm. Away, another new sponsor for the show. And, and we're very delighted to have them. This episode of Canvas is brought to you by Away. Now, Away are the manufacturers of these great uh, roll-on suitcases that have iPhone and iPad chargers built into them. Because Away believe that your luggage shouldn't cost more than your plane ticket. And that's why Away makes smart premium suitcases for under just $300. Go to awaytravel.com slash canvas now and browse away suitcases, all made with premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance and still lightweight. Away offers four sizes of suitcase, the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium and the large. Not really hard to understand which one is which. And they've got nine great colors for you to choose from. Away suitcases feature a patent-pending compression system, which is great if you're an overpacker, along with four 360-degree spinner wheels. Away's carry-ons are compliant with all major US airlines while still maximizing the amount you can pack. They have TSA combination locks built in and a removable, washable laundry bag so you can separate clean clothes from worn clothes. But perhaps one of Away's best features is that both sizes of the carry-on feature USB ports so you can charge your devices while traveling. A single charge of the carry-on can provide enough battery to charge your phone five times, so you'll never be without power again. Now, Federico, these guys sent me one of these suitcases recently. Uh, We've both been traveling for the summer, doing different Hmm. things, different places. Um, So I had the opportunity to take mine on a little trip recently, and I was super impressed with it. Now, I'm normally a kind of backpack sort of guy, but I took their uh, carry-on, and I took a train journey with it recently, and it was super. Um, I was walking to the train station and uh, the wheels on it were so smooth that the case actually started sort of rolling away from me down the hill when I stopped to do something on my phone. I just let the case go and it just started rolling away because it was so, the wheels were so smooth and uh, uh, well put together. And of course, the other thing is, is the USB sockets, the, the battery pack that's in there. It doesn't take up a lot of space inside the case and it's super discreet. I, I was kind of worried when I, when I got it, like, 
what's it going to look like to be walking through a, a, a train station with a, a suitcase with a built-in battery pack? Like, does it look all kind of Star Wars or does it look like, you know, there's a guy with a wire coming out his backpack or something? Um, but it's really discreet. What it is is, you know how in most uh, molded suitcases, there's a little bit for the telescoping handle to go in? Well, if you imagine you pull the handle out and then underneath the ha- where the handle was, there's a tiny little flap and in there there's just two USB sockets. So it's super discreet. Uh, nobody would know you were you had a suitcase that could do anything else. Um, and it was really, really impressive. So a uh, big thumbs up for me for that one. Away believe in the quality of their products and this is why they offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they will fix or replace it for life. And they have a 100-day trial with a no-questions-asked return policy with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the US. Travel smarter with a suitcase that charges your phone. To find out more about Away, go to awaytravel.com canvas. And if you use the code canvas at checkout, you'll get $20 off any of their suitcases. That's awaytravel.com, A-W-A-Y, travel.com slash canvas and the code canvas for $20 off. Thank you so much to Away for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So, shall we talk about how we feel about this whole system? All right. So, um, let me go let me go first um, because okay. I, I I think um, I think my setup is a, is a lot simpler than uh, for obvious reasons, you know, you you got to teach, you know, yeah. classes, you have tons of apps and Whereas I'm more of a, my, my iPad, I think, tends to be more of a, if it were a, a video game console, tends to be more used in single player mode in the sense that mm. it's just me and I'm usually just writing stuff, taking notes. So it's, it's I use my iPad for everything, right? Uh, it's, it's my primary computer. But of that everything, most of what I do tends to be about writing, taking notes, talking to people and doing email and accounting. Uh, and of course, you know, the casual stuff that everybody does, like Safari and YouTube. Um, I don't have your specific and particular needs. Um, and from that point of view, I still think that I do quite a lot on the iPad, you know, managing Mac stories and producing the sure, newsletters. Yeah. Still quite a bit of stuff. And I think the... There are some things in iOS 11 that I don't necessarily think Apple did their best job, especially for integration with external keyboards. The lack of shortcuts still, uh, you know, more than two years after iOS 9, there's still no shortcuts to control, split view, and slide over. And I think that's a mistake, especially now that we have more freedom with multi-touch, I feel like there should be more freedom, more control with external keyboards also. And its an, I don't think it's a request that comes from a niche point of view, because Apple themselves, they make a keyboard that goes directly with the iPad. So it's in their own interest to make external keyboard usage better than it is. And I think from that point of view, iOS 11 should have been better. But if you use the iPad... Uh, with multi-touch, uh, you know, most of the time, I think the updates are are really terrific. Um, um, the way that you know, uh, the the way that the dock becomes a system-wide launcher, and combining that with the drag and drop, and the fact that multi-touch is really coming into its own in the way that you can. Uh, pick up something with one finger, do something else with another finger. So you, you feel sort of like a, like a pianist, you know, working, working on, on iOS 11. Uh, I feel like that's really empowering. Um, I'm sure there, there could be things that should be refined. Um, for example, when you do drag and drop, I, I kind of wanted to see a way to park something for later, whether it's a clipboard manager or a shelf. And I would have liked, uh, I'm actually surprised that in the multitasking switcher, there's no way to create spaces or to create favorite spaces that are pinned yeah. to, the, to the right side. So I'm surprised by that. I would have liked to see that. But I would say that overall, this is the kind of reboot that the iPad needed. And hopefully, now I'm sort of crossing my fingers, we won't have to wait another two years to see fixes to these problems that we're talking about today. Um, I'm more interested to know how the system, especially throughout the betas, because I feel like you started from a more, I don't want to say negative 
point of view, mm -hmm. but you had some real, uh, really important concerns with the first betas. And now hearing yeah. you talk about iOS 11, it seems like the Apple has managed to fix some stuff and it's sort of being, it's going better for you. So I want to understand, you know, by September, what's your strategy going to be like? And are yeah. you still wishing you could go back to iOS 9? <laughs> well, I, I, I think probably I, I'm not wishing I could go back to the iOS 9.10 model, but I, I think there's... <laughs> Like we wanted, a, we wanted a fix to one thing, which was the the tedious scrolling through that multitasking picker in iOS 10. Mm. And instead, we got the whole thing ripped down, and we got a whole new thing in place, mm. which has yeah, it solved one problem, but it has created multiple consequential both problems and opportunities. Um, but I think what what I feel right now, the current state of iOS 11 right now, is that. We've got a lot of the opportunities, but we have got a new set of problems that we need another fix for, right? Um, and I think that the way that I use iOS, I do not find stable, persistent pairs of apps to be a, a useful concept at all. Mm. There's no, there, there's literally no pairing apart from the one I'm looking at right now that I care about in my system. I have, my first way of, of getting to cope with iOS 11 was to basically forget that persistent pairs exist okay. because none of them are ever useful. So I, I don't ever try and pair up two apps and then keep them together. And the reason that was never useful was because too often I would need an app that was in a background pair, bring it into my current split, and then that I had then lost it in the background. So it gave me a very strong feeling of instability in the system. Now, I know you said earlier that nothing can break a pair apart from user interaction, and that's true. But if you have lots of pairs of apps set up, you know, a very carefully set up collection of pairs of applications, you have to remember in your head what you did there so that you don't accidentally break it by bringing one of those apps into your current split for some other part of the task. And like I mentioned earlier, I find that more more often than not, I'm bringing in apps into multiple tasks. So multiple apps work for multiple different tasks. And it's not that I want to stop what I'm doing right now and then go to another space, do a bit of work and then come back here. I want half of that space in here. So that was the first thing that I did was I said, right, I'm not going to use app pairs as a as an organizing principle for my use of iOS. I'm just going to pretend that we've only got the one split. And the question then is, how do I summon an arbitrary application into a left or right-hand side of this split? And what I found was that um, basically I had to get used to using Spotlight again. And like we said earlier in iOS beta 5 and earlier, you were invoking Spotlight, then you're dragging a result, and then you had to manually dismiss Spotlight. And that was slow. It was too many steps. Beta 6 is better in that Spotlight dismisses itself. But my main criticism of all of this is that there's no way to summon an application into the system without touching the screen, right? In iOS 10, you could at least summon an application onto the left-hand side of your split purely through Spotlight. So you could do command space, key EY, return, and Keynote would launch in the left-hand side of your workspace. In iOS 11, there's no such capability at all. You can't do that. You can do command space, K-E-Y, touch and hold and drag. And in earlier betas as well, that touch and hold was a delay because it was very slow to recognize that you had touched and held. In beta 6, that's better, but it's still my hands off the keyboard. I'm targeting something on the screen and then I'm dragging, and then I'm waiting for something to disappear, and then I'm targeting another space in the screen, and I'm waiting for that to respond, and then I'm dropping. So what I'm finding is that there are these weights built into my use of the system, because I have to wait for something to pick up, I have to wait for the multitasking, the split screen to open up for me, and then I have to drop it, and then I have to wait for it to Is it to really? Is it itself, really you know? that slow, though? Like, I, I don't <laughs> no, it's think not. it's that it's, slow. Yeah. It's not, but it's, it's the accumulation of little bits of slowness over the course of a working day. That's the thing that was really annoying me. It wasn't just that any one particular interaction was slow, but just that 
and it just I was just aware like I'm waiting for this a lot I'm just holding I'm hovering I'm holding I'm hovering and it started to get really annoying and that was that's better now I think you're still doing it but the the timings have become a lot more forgiving so that you can gesture very quickly and the system will follow you better if that's a way to put it so I think um, that part has gotten easier as well I also adopted the junk drawer junk drawer folder in my dock so my dock contains it's full and it's got a number of applications and then at the end I've got a folder called productivity which has got 16 20 22 different applications in it so including a full dock plus another 22 applications I'm starting to get to the point where I can usually get most of the applications I need by just going to the dock and I've managed to get past having to go back to the home screen. But my general sort of design feeling of that Federico is that we've just got a new system here where like the home screen doesn't matter anymore. Like it doesn't almost doesn't matter what is on my home screen because I'm just spending all my time in apps and in the dock. So that kind of makes me wonder what's going on with that. And mm. I, I have know. a theory. I have a theory about that. Um, okay. Now this is like a completely uninformed theory, just my personal thinking, but there's this emphasis on the dock and spaces and you know sort of there's been like a the home screen has been sort of demoted to a second class role on ios and if you look at the widgets page uh, now it's back to one column on the ipad so you, you used to have two columns of widgets now you can only have one column which i don't think it's you know i think it's worse uh, i appreciated the two columns but if our, most of our interactions now are going to core from Spotlight or the dock and spaces, I wonder if that sort of frees up space on the home screen for widgets or something else to have more information on the home screen uh, because now uh, you know app icons are going to be primarily placed somewhere else. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, uh, yeah, especially in, uh, considering how files... It's not like the Finder. So on, on macOS, the desktop is a gathering place, is a is a Finder location where people put stuff. But on iOS, Files is an app. And so the desktop, which is the home screen, uh, what else can you put on the home screen? If icons are going into Spotlight or going into the dock and spaces, that seems to me like a perfect opportunity to consider finally some kind of home screen widget. Uh, but I don't know, maybe it's just a theory. What I wanted to basically as a sort of a sort of a conclusion is i think you're um in this episode we we have seen um the two different ways i think that we operate on ios and uh, um i mentioned at the beginning of the episode that the number of apps that you use on a daily basis makes a difference and then i would say yeah. that the second major point of whether iOS 11 is going to work for you or not in terms of multitasking is, do you like the concept of spaces or not? Because what you say about, you know, spaces just don't work for me. I don't appreciate the idea of a, of a persistent space. All I want to do is have one space and have a quick way of modifying yeah. what's in that space. Whereas people like me would say, I actually do work with that mental model of, I have my text editor and my mind map. I have my email client and something else. But there's no... I don't think it's about being right or wrong. It's more of about, about the way that your brain process, you know, can process multitasking. Um, so that's yeah. the second big different, uh, difference. Yeah, and I, think, I, think, I think of it as, as a kind of cognitive load issue, right? That, mm -hmm. I mean... I've been working on computer systems that have provided virtual desktops for, I don't know, like 20 years probably. Linux systems, Mac OS X, and now iOS. And on none of those systems have I ever found a satisfactory way of working that has not... Like, as, as soon as I set up a complex multi-desktop system like that, I just immediately forget what I put where. Like, I, I don't actually have a, a very spatial brain, mm. right? Like Interesting. John Syracuse's complaints about the Finder don't leave me cold, right? Because I don't care. Um, I just want, I, I want to, I just want to be able to summon what I want in front of me right now huh. as fast as possible. That is, I, that is super fascinating, yeah. actually. 
I guess that yeah. that's that. I think I'm actually like the complete opposite of that. Like I need my home screen, tight, you know, neatly arranged. I need to see the icons in the same spot, and that's probably why I also think the dock is working well for me because it's a, mm-hmm. it's a very visual way of thinking in the sense of um, my icons are always in the same location, and so I think it come maybe the third difference is this, if you want to have like uh, sort of like three takeaways from this episode, number of apps, um, spaces or no spaces. And then are you a visual multitasker or a search person in the sense of like a command line, searching stuff, invoking things quickly? And iOS 11 has taken a very, you know, uh, it's taken on a, on a, very visual direction of you move things around and you move them visually and you arrange a space, a workspace visually. Whereas I get what you're saying now that I've never been that kind of, you know, I never bought into that spatial perspective type of discussion. I just want a way to summon things quickly. Okay. I mean, I'll give you one example, Federico. Like I, I have yet to drag and drop anything on iOS 11. Wait, I, I really? have never dragged and dropped a single thing. No. Really? Because I, I, I cut and paste it, right? That's <sighs> what I do, right? You know, why why would I spend time arranging myself so that I can get because the it, thing and get the other thing and drag it and drop it? Because it's I could easy. just cut it and then paste it. No, you know? <laughs> because, it, because, because as you drag, you can see what you're dragging and dropping. Oh, but for this, me, that, this, has, that has potential for error and sloppiness, right? Whereas, if I can, if I can precisely, like I, if I select text with my keyboard shortcuts, right? So I'm, I don't know if you, do you know about like using all the key? You want, you must know this, right? Like command left and right to go yeah. to the beginning and the end of the line and shift yeah. and all that stuff. Like I have that so clearly burned into my brain from twenty plus years of using the Mac that I just I can fly through that and I don't even think about it. I cut and I paste and I do all that stuff. And I'm a cut and paste wizard, but I have I have never dragged and dropped a single thing on iOS 11 wow. to actually, <laughs> apart from just to prove that it works, um, to actually in service of any task, I, I just haven't done it once yet. Yeah. Um, again, complete opposite here. I've been dragging <laughs> and dropping as much as possible. Uh, as uh, like, the more I can move away from extensions and the clipboard, the happier I am. Um, that that is very you know oh, I feel like there's yeah. a very like fascinating study here about the way that we um, multitask and, and inter issue commands really to the computer. Uh, that is very I, I'm thinking about like the 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 way that Apple could design iOS for both types of users, and that is, mm-hmm. this is super interesting to me. Um, well, I, yeah. I have a small list of proposals if you'd like to hear them. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's um, go over the proposals. I had a Twitter thread. I'll, I'll, I'll put a, a link in the show notes to the thread. But um, I think that the first thing, and this is actually CGP Grey's idea rather than mine, but I completely agree with it, is that uh, there should be a, a touch-free way to place an application in either any of the three places in the multitasking system, left, right, or slide over. And what Gray proposed was when you uh, when you do a spotlight search, you could then use the keyboard to navigate up and down the results. And when you have highlighted a result with a keyboard, you can press command left to put it in the left, command right to put it in the right, or command up to put it in the slide overview. And I think that change alone would get me to 90% of what I want, which is that uh, very fast, no-touch ability to summon an application to the front and work on it. Um, the second thing would be to be able to get to Spotlight without a hardware keyboard. Because even now in, in Beta 6, yeah. you can't, from within an application, you cannot invoke Spotlight and do a search. So unless you have a hardware keyboard where you can press Command Space, you cannot get to a Spotlight screen that will let you drag and drop an application into multitasking. So that's a problem for people that don't have a keyboard. Okay, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you've found the, the right-hand side of the dock to be very useful. I yeah. haven't found it to be particularly useful because I can't form a mental model of why and when an application will appear in there. So, for example, I was doing something recently where I was using Swift Playgrounds and iBooks, and I collapsed the split, and I wanted iBooks back. So I thought, well, maybe if I flip up the dock, 
iBooks will be in the right hand side of the dock and I could get it back from there but it wasn't and, and I was like well, why is it not you know uh, I think it's just buggy honestly uh, it, it <laughs> should be there both the recent yeah. area of the dock and the command tab switcher I think they're just buggy at this point like they, they're, they're yeah. supposed to work in that way but they don't yeah I, I feel like what one of my other proposals for that area would be that um there should be like a folder you know on os 10 you can have a folder and it opens up like a kind of grid and you can see a whole bunch of icons in a very compact view what i would really like is for that right hand side of the dock to be like the 20 most recently used applications mm, and then i could just okay. tap that and and find one and drag it in and it would just be a very strictly most recently used order list. And that way I would have a high, very high, almost like 99%, I would suspect, probability of the app that I want next being somewhere in the dock, either manually placed on the left or recently used on the right. And I, I kind of think there's there's some serious suggestion stuff going on in there that I'm not sure about. I think this makes a lot of sense to extend the recent feature of the dock. Um, uh I wouldn't mind to have something like this. So it's a so far uh, these three suggestions I I like and I agree with. I think I have a problem yeah. with the fourth one. Okay, so the the, the fourth one is uh, the apps should be allowed to exist in multiple spaces. Uh, see, I'm not sure about this. Well, I'll tell you why why I'm proposing that is because the reason that I stopped using multiple spaces was because every time I put together two apps that I thought I wanted to use. I would then inadvertently break the space by bringing the, one of those two applications into the current split view that I was working in. And if I could do that without taking it out of the other space as well, then there would be a lot more perceived stability in the interface. Uh, and it's not that you're going to be using them together. There's, I don't see why there's necessarily a technical reason why that couldn't be done. Um, but it, if I always felt like I made a space... And then I went away and did something else and I needed that application, so I brought it in and now my space is gone. So what's the point in me even bothering to set up all those spaces because I'm just going to accidentally break them by needing one of those applications somewhere else. And I had the sense that my spaces just kept falling apart because I would forget what I'd put in them. I'd use the application that I just want to use right now and oh, there's my spaces are all messed up again. So why just, bother with spaces? It just seems to me like it would introduce a lot of confusion. Uh, like... Uh, I assume if you have an app in multiple spaces, the um, the the state of the app is always the same. Um, well, it's just one app. It's not like two. It's not two instances of the same app. It's but, just two views onto the same application. But what happens if, like, if you quit the app, for example, does it remove the app from every single space? Well, I mean, the way, if you quit an app right now, if you force quit an app, you, you can only force quit a space. So if an app is paired, you force quit both apps in the pair at the same time. Right. So, so if, yeah. you, if, you f if you quit one app in a space, but the same app is also in another space, then you're basically force quitting a bunch of spaces. Well, I mean, the notion of quitting an app in iOS is a kind of amorphous concept because you have... You, if you look at, if you scroll like, you know, 10 pages back in your multitasking view, you're looking at a visual representation of an app that is not currently running. Right. So, you know, iOS will just take a snapshot of the last screen. You could do that for, you know, for an app in another space somewhere as well. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure about this. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so let me just run through the rest and, and you can right. dive in and, and if you object to any others as well. Um, a keyboard shortcut to hide and show the slide over application. Yeah. I think that would really help. Yes, um, yes. Just to, uh, as a way to um, avoid having to, because uh, I found some things like I was working last night, as I said, in, in Swift Playgrounds and iBooks and I was trying to swipe the page in iBooks on the right and I kept accidentally bringing in my, my split view application and so maybe a keyboard shortcut to do that would be helpful. Um, but and this, this next one though is the one that has been killing me even now with iOS 11 is when you collapse a split view, right? You get two apps side by side. You got Safari and Mail, let's say, and you want to look at that Safari page full screen what you would do in iOS 10 is you would collapse the split over and then read the page and then you would open up the split again and the app that you last used in the right hand side was still there. Now in iOS 11, that doesn't happen because there's no concept of like closing and reopening the split. What you've got to do is you've got to go back. Once you collapse that split, the collapsed application is gone 
and then you have to use whatever technique you use to get it there in the first place. You have to use that technique again to get the application back. And I think that's being able to close and reopen the split just temporarily to get more space to work. I think that would be a, a big, big improvement to, to the way that that normally works there. Mm-hmm. What else have yeah. I got? Um, yeah, you, you said that you said you thought the command tab switcher was kind of buggy. I think there's yeah. something going on there with that. And I think one of the things is that if you have an app that launches another app, that launched app, that second app doesn't appear in the command tab switcher. I don't know if that's a bug mm. or if it's deliberate design, but I've noticed it when working with Google Drive that um, if I open Google Drive and I tap on a Google Doc, Google Docs is going to launch, but then Google Docs is not in the command tab switcher. So it's, I don't know if that's deliberate or not, but it's definitely a change. Uh, and it's, I don't think it's a helpful change because just because an app was yeah, launched from yeah. another app doesn't mean it's not an app that you want to use regularly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. We've already mentioned to be able to build and destroy pairs in the split view, just like you can on macOS. I think that would be useful. Um, and the last one is being able to promote a slide over app directly to a full screen app without having to put it into a split first. So if you're looking at two yeah. apps mm. and you've got one in slide over, you have to put the slide over application into one side of the split and then collapse the split in favor of that application to get that application up to full screen. So being able to go directly to full screen from slide over, I think would also be helpful. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this would be helpful. Um, I, I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, this would be nice. Yeah. Well, that's all my proposals. I'm pretty sure I've filed most or all of those with Apple at some point. So. Uh, oh, nice. We can keep our All fingers right. crossed. Even if I just got the first one, I would probably be pretty happy. Yeah, these are actually some some good ideas. Um, uh, again, I, I, I think the multiple space stuff could be confusing, but um, there's ways to work around that. So again, maybe my hope is that this new framework will give Apple plenty of ways to iterate on iOS 11. And, you know, if everything yeah. goes well, we wanna, we will not have to wait until 2019 to uh, get these fixes. <laughs> <laughs> we can hope. I mean, I, I think what seems pretty certain right now is that what we have in iOS 11 beta 6 is pretty much what is going to get shipped in, in September, October time. Uh, there's, there's not going to be a dramatic rethink of the way this works, right? All there is going to be now is refinements to what is here. And uh, Gray's um, thinking on that first idea of keyboard shortcuts and Spotlight was just, what's the least invasive possible thing that you could do in order to make this better for keyboard users? So that's kind of where I'm coming from with some of these ideas is that I'm not saying like throw away the concept of multiple spaces, right? Because that's not going to happen. Even though I personally think that would probably be a, a big improvement from for the way my brain works with iOS 11 at least. Um, I, I don't really want that. So I, I may be the only person, but I don't want it. So there you go. But I, I think realistically speaking, what we have right now is pretty much what we're going to get plus or minus a few little tweaks and improvements. So uh, let's hope for those tweaks and improvements uh, sooner rather than later, ideally before September, yeah. but if not, I'll take it in 11.1 uh, or something like that. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of our uh, one of our longer episodes, Federico. Yes. Do you remember when we started this yeah, show, we said so. it was going to be 30 minutes? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember those days. We haven't days. done that too often. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's just too much cool stuff to talk about. But this has been... For our listeners, this has been Canvas episode 42. You can find the show notes for this episode at relay.fm slash canvas slash 42. You can connect with us on Twitter. The score the show is underscore canvas fm. I am Fraser Spears on Twitter. Federico is Vitici, and we'll speak to you all next time.